Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast on mental health for folks of color. I'm your host, John Zell Anderson, licensed professional counselor. I'm the owner of Panoramic Counseling, where I specialize in treating teens and young adults in Richmond, Virginia, and throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia through online counseling. Let's get into the show. Hey, sir. Hey, man. Let me a favor, man. Come this way. Put your hand your back. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Is there any reason you're doing this, bro? Give me one second. Yeah. Is there No, sir. Two or four or one, I would say. Fellas, fellas, I really should do it. You know what I mean? What's going on, my man? Trying to throw money on my arm. You said what? Yeah, what's up? This your phone? Yeah, sure. You have ID on you? I, I got, I got everything on. Me. Where? With the, with the thing, with the thing I'm trying to explain to you right now, sir. Sure, you know, you know, listen to me. I'm listening. You come on my right side. I got a badge on, hanging off my, hanging off my head. My work badge. It'll tell you everything about me. And if you just run my name, you understand why you should take me off these cuffs. You can, you can not do it. This is your name. It's gonna be really bad for you. Yes, okay. That's my name. So Ryan Cogler. Okay. Cooks. C O O G L E R. Just put it in Google. Really trying to keep it from being a bad day on your job, bro. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Black man, black man, bro. Mm-hmm. Hey, bro. My supervisor's gonna go out. Yeah, just, just hang tight right there. I'm gonna talk to you. Just one shake, bro. Say what? Just one shake. Somebody take my glasses off my face. Take for that panic attack, bro. You got you. Where do you register? I need some air. I mean, I, I gotta be honest with you, man. I just, ブリーディッシュメージャーマンジャーマンパフェリーベビーナイスジャーハーブレッドチェンジャーハーブレッドチェンジャーハーブレッドチェンジャーハーブレッドチェンジャーハーブレッドチェンジャーハーブレッドチ
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. And, and, and my team shit, and my baby nurse is getting thrown in the back of the car, bro, handcuffed. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's a problem. I need, I need everybody's name. Been running all your, I need all everybody's name. You know what I'm saying? And I need to find out who made that call in there. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? came from the bank. Yeah. came from the bank. I need to find out who made the that's call. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. You have all right to do so. Yeah. I got, I got. But I just want you to understand what 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 my sergeant advised you I, on the nature of the call. Just, that's you, all I need you to understand. Have you ever okay? considered speaking to them before you make a transaction like that? Have you ever had something like this happen? Have I ever been arrested? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Wait, what? Listen to what he's saying. Have Listen. you ever... No, I am listening. Okay. Have you ever considered speaking to them about what it is you're trying to do prior to doing... Uh -huh. so, so can I explain something to you, bro? Yeah. I went to CVS out here the other day to get a vaccine. I came outside and somebody was smoked in the, in, the, in, the, in the parking lot. You know what I'm saying? I was getting a vaccine. Yeah. I'm not trying to fuck around out here, bro. Like, I'm not saying out loud how much money I'm taking them. That's, That's why I'm, I'm writing down. I'm not talking no, about I'm, speaking to somebody like that. I'm saying, no, no, I, hey, can I speak to a manager in an office somewhere? Have you ever considered I, 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 doing I'm something a, like I'm going to consider it now that y'all okay. fucking drew guns on me. Yeah. I was trying to take money out. But up, to, the, up to this point, Every Bank of America I ever gone to in my entire fucking life just never happened. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, so, so y'all explaining y'all perspective, right? Y'all yeah. the ones with guns and vests. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. what's, what's my perspective? What's my perspective? I know at, the, at, the, at, the, at the bank, she never said it was a fucking problem, bro. Yeah. Like, I, like I, I, I said, hey, is that going to be okay with you? She said, yeah. I put my own car in. Put my own pin in. She asked to see my ID. I gave it to her. And she goes in the back, and I'm waiting for the, for, for the and then the people keep coming out. Hey, they taking care of you. They taking care of you. Everything, yeah. you know, you know, just taking a little while. Next thing I, I hear fucking Glocks. Yeah. I hear Glocks getting hear pulled out. That's what I hear. You're a Glock. I hear Glocks getting pulled out from unholstering. Mm -hmm. Hey, sir, can I talk to you for a minute? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. you, you, so you, you see my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I mean. There was a lot of good feedback with my last episode where um, me and Tiffany from Truth Talks with Tiff talked about the current events with the Jesse Smollett situation. And as y'all know, I'm a therapist, so um, I, I try to look at the mental health kind of angle of things. And this year, I actually have an intern who um, is finishing up his hours for grad school to become a therapist like me. Um, and my intern, Antoine, actually sent me the video of the director of Black Panther, Ryan Coogler, I think his name is, um, and the situation that went down with him at a, I believe it was a Bank of America. Um, so you heard that, that sound clip at the start of this episode but today, I just want to um, chat with my intern, uh, Antoine, to kind of, you know, give a little bit of commentary on, you know, the, the sort of nuances that went on with the situation. So before we get started, Antoine, uh, introduce yourself to the listeners. So hello, everybody. My name is Antoine Craig, and I am a graduate student at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. Um, I am, I am a lot of things. And I always like to finish off that like long spill of who I am with, I just so happen to be blind. Um, I'm also a Paralympic athlete and I am playing soccer and multitude of other sports at this moment. So I'm kind of all over the place with my interests. Um, but 
like Jazzo said, I want to be just like him when I grow up. So um, luckily he's been gracious enough to to bless me with all his knowledge and wisdom. You definitely give me too much credit. Um, <laughs> but um, the, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the fact that you're blind because, um, you know, the, the content, at least um, what you sent me, it was a video, right? Um, mm-hmm. and so your interpretation will probably be a little bit different given that you're witnessing everything just through sound. Um, so yeah. I'm going to like jump in and give a quick synopsis and then we're just going to have a short discussion about it. Um, kind of give some insights and we'll go from there. So, um, basically, uh, Ryan Kugler um, went to bank of America. He went to go uh, pull out some money out of his account. Uh, he put his debit card in, put his pin number in, but what he did was he wrote the amount that he needed out in cash on a slip of paper. Um, and it was a large amount of money. I believe it was like $8,000. And, uh, he said his rationale, it was 12,000. 12, 12,000. 12, yeah. yeah. So he, um, you know, he wrote on a, a slip of paper, Hey, I need this amount in cash. Um, and he didn't want to say it out loud because he felt that, you know, they would, of course, count the money in front of everybody, but also it draws a lot of attention to you. If you're, you're coming out of a bank with that much money, you don't want to be a target. And this is in, I believe in Atlanta, right? Yes. And yeah. anyone who, who lives in Atlanta know exactly the danger of doing that. Mm-hmm. That is not a safe thing to do. Yeah. And so um, the the situation escalated very quickly. So mind you, this man puts his debit card in and PIN number. So he verifies, like, I'm a member here. Um, and I guess someone at the bank calls the police because apparently when you write down the transaction you want on a slip of paper, um, it is... Uh, perceived as being a bank robbery. At least that's uh, what the officers who ended up responding to this said. So basically, he's over here doing his transaction. And all of a sudden, officers show up with their guns pulled. And all of this is caught on a police body cam. And uh, it escalates very quickly. They handcuff him in the bank, bring him out, Um, start questioning him. And one of the things I found interesting was that some of the officers on the um, body cam footage were black. Um, And so that's another um, nuance of this that we'll get into. But it's basically a situation of racial profiling. Um, And so I'm looking forward to getting your take on this. So Antoine, what were your initial reactions to hearing about this? You know, instantly as like a practicing therapist, like I automatically went to empathy because I felt so bad for him because he was really just trying to make an honest transaction. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I don't know if you know this, I am actually from Atlanta. So I'm quite familiar. Yeah, I'm I'm quite familiar with like the crime and the levels of crime Mm -hmm. and how quick people are for things to happen. Like I remember like two years ago, um, there's like this big thing in Buckhead where people were snatching women's engagement rings they would just run up on this snatch the rings yeah so so if you're if you're from atlanta you know like you have to move a certain way Mm -hmm. and and he was very aware of that so he wasn't even able to protect himself Mm -hmm. in that at the in that instance so 
it was a shame and i just felt so bad for him because that could have been any one of us you know mm -hmm. yeah and I there thought... was there was re... oh, go, ahead. go ahead there was really no justification for it because the the young lady to tell her she said oh something just seemed off I'm like, how? When he, you could have requested his ID. I think he, he even stated he, he gave his he ID. Yeah, yeah, he gave his ID. And I mean, what more? What what else felt off? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting um, that you sent this to me today because I believe right after, well, by the time I got to the text message to like look at it and watch the video, I had just went through the drive-through at my bank to withdraw some yeah. cash. And because I'm getting ready to go on a trip and, you know, a, a standard procedure when you go to a bank is to fill out a deposit slip to say mm -hmm. how much money you want, what account you want it to come out of. And I mean, I told the the teller, I want two tens. I mean, it wasn't a ton of money that I was getting out, but I was just like, I need two ten dollar bills. And it's very much a, a similar thing where you're saying, OK, how much money you want? And you're allowed to say your preference for, you know, how you receive that money. I think with it yep. being such a large yep. amount of money, yep. um, you don't want to get robbed. I think that's pretty easy to understand. I remember there was a time where I was taking my money out of one bank and bringing it to another bank. And it was a lot, you know, when you're taking all your money to switch it over to another bank, it's a larger amount of money that you're bringing, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember being so nervous until I got into my car and locked the door. <laughs> like someone yeah. is going to rob me outside of this bank because they, they count it all. Then they say it out loud too. They're like, okay, 100, 200, 30. like they are, they're counting out, yeah. out loud. And it's not like you're that far from the other windows and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. And that was nowhere near the amount of cash that this was. And after they started questioning him, um, well, first of all, they didn't tell him the reason that he was being handcuffed or anything. It, it no. the, He was handcuffed and brought out of the bank. Um, and then they started questioning him, um, which that that's a whole nother um concern right there that you don't even tell someone why you're apprehending them. Uh, but his rationale, and it's interesting because he had came to the bank with, I believe it was a, like a home nurse, like a, a nurse that helps out. I guess he has a, a baby and mm -hmm. the, yes. the worker preferred to be paying, paid in cash. So he was going to get cash to pay an employee and they actually apprehended her. So she's like sitting yeah. in the car, I guess, while he's going to do the transaction. All of this escalates while he's doing the transaction. Please show up, guns drawn, put him in handcuffs. And as he's waiting around to basically see like, why is this happening? Like, do you like, what did I do wrong? He asked about his nurse and he's like, did y'all like arrest her too? And they were like, yeah, we did. Cause it looks suspicious. Um, so and that like, was difficult to hear. That was so difficult to mm -hmm. hear. Like this woman's just it's trying like, to get her paycheck. Like how much of a danger did that woman pose to where you needed to subdue her in that manner? Mm. Like I don't like how do we lose so much of our humanity to the point where like we're treated like cattle? Like you instantly like mm. no matter what you get get handcuffed and put it in that just hurts my soul to hear that. Yeah. Could you imagine like somebody doing that to your mother or something like? Yeah. 
and that's trauma. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, interactions. I've I've talked plenty times on this podcast about how um, I've had interactions with law enforcement that have been traumatic. I mean, you don't have to look far on the internet to see how traumatizing just a simple um, interaction with law enforcement can be for people of color. So, um, yeah, yeah. but all of this is, you know, whether this was to just somebody like you or me, um, mm -hmm. but this, it, it, it got attention because this man is the director of a very, you know, popular film, um, Black Panther, and he's a yeah. black man. He's a director. Like he clearly has the means, you know, to, like he has the money in his account and um, all of this stuff, but it can happen to anybody. It doesn't matter. You know, um, okay. I've talked before, like I w had my life threatened by a police officer um, and I, I had a whole master's degree. Like I was, you know, educated. I was in my residency, um, but it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about respectability, politics, exactly like who right. you are. Um, cause at the end of the day, you're still a black man, you know, um, yep. out here. Um, that's the first thing they see. And it's just, you have to be handled a certain way. As soon as they see that part of your identity, nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's no, it's interesting that there's not, no one thinks to believe like, does this black man have money? Like, yeah, that's. That was the question that that I had. Was, like it's strange that a a person has the that amount of money, and I I wonder, you know, the teller. I'm sure that people come in and do large transactions often, um, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I'm I'm wondering uh, what about okay? I've seen your ID. You've put your debit card in. The pen is confirmed. What about that makes you think suspicious? Like if you've gone through all the protocol to verify the transaction, like there's um, that all of that is just really um, suspect to me. But going yeah. on a mental health standpoint, um, what are your thoughts on that? Like the mental health for, you know, the person it happened to, what does that do to our mental health as, you know, black men? What are some of your thoughts on that? So thinking from the, the, the perspective of the teller, for her to say, everything, everything, that, everything is checking out from standard operating procedures of my job. But something within myself, like you put another check in there, like this doesn't feel right. Like what is going on in your, in your, in, with, that, with that person to automatically assume what was the something and what, mm -hmm. why was it? Why didn't that something wasn't like a standard operating procedure? Because there should have been some check or balance. Hey, supervisor, could you check this out? Was it the ID? Was it the, it just said something. Mm -hmm. So it, when you think of something like that, your own biases. Yeah. Um, and just influence how your interaction with customers. Since you only had audio of this, Antoine, the, the man, he was wearing just, you know, a hoodie, uh, I think some mm -hmm. sweatpants. And um, he had like one of those, um, you know, like knit beanies on his head. Um, nothing yeah. that like he didn't have it pulled over his face. He had a mask on, you know, um, okay. but I mean, I literally I, I'm when I went to the bank today, I was literally wearing a hoodie and uh, sweatpants like I, I literally <laughs> yeah. live my life in hoodies and sweatpants. So we we all have it's so relatable. Leisure wear. 
Yeah. And so he's just going about his business. And But, you know, when I say that, it's not even a matter of what you're wearing. He could have been in a three-piece suit. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just to answer, you know, like, you're like, well, what about him made her think something's wrong? Um, and, I mean, any person of color listening to this knows that it doesn't have to go beyond the melanin in your skin. Um, and the yeah, beliefs yeah. and biases that go along with that um, today in 2022, like we're not that far removed from, yeah. you know, our country's, you know, blemish past. So, and, and that's what's so puzzling to me, because in Atlanta, as I repeat, money looks different in Atlanta than mm. it does in Virginia. Absolutely. You know, there's so much affluence there among the African American community. Yes. And in our within our culture, we dress completely different than certain areas. Uh-huh. It couldn't been the way he dressed. We have rappers, athletes, we got all the basketball team, the football. So that couldn't have been I don't that couldn't have been it. Mm. It, just, it just doesn't add up to me. Yeah, and I'm sure there have been like additional um story like this is I'm, I'm literally this whole thing i'm going off of just the watching the interaction um happen yeah. i believe it was a couple of weeks ago that this happened um mm-hmm. and uh yeah so i i agree with you i have no clue where what what could have triggered the belief that something was off right but what are your thoughts yeah. on you know, given our mental health background, what are your thoughts on how that's going to impact him? But also for, you know, other people of color watching this, how is that going to impact their mental health? Like, can you uh, speak on that a little bit? Well, particularly for him, and this is something I mentioned to you before, during the arrest, when he was handcuffed, he asked him to take his sunglasses off because he was having a panic attack. And rightfully so in that moment, you know, you're not doing anything wrong. Yeah, so that's he's gonna have to have he's gonna have to sit down and talk with somebody to kind of work through his feelings regarding that because you can't you can't navigate that on your own. Like we shouldn't be navigating that on 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 our own. And and the sad part about the whole situation is that he's gonna go home, he's gonna turn on the TV, and he's gonna see another situation just like his situation. Mm. And guess what? That's gonna re-trigger him. Yeah. And we don't know how that's gonna reflect or how that's gonna show up in his everyday life. Mm-hmm. You know. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the part about panic attacks because I, and I've told you this before, Antoine, and I, my listeners know that, um, I, I talk about it all the time, but I live with panic disorder. So mm-hmm. I know a panic attack well. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, for me, sometimes it's triggered randomly. Sometimes a situation gets really intense and it's triggered that way. Um, but I, you know, as I heard that part, and I'm glad you brought up that because I forgot to mention it in my synopsis about him saying he was having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. But the way that law enforcement responds to mental health is a whole nother thing. You know, the law enforcement officers are responding to, not in this case per se, but there are times where someone's having a psychotic break or they're in the midst of a manic episode. And again, you don't see a person suffering. You don't see a, um, a human being deserving of dignity. The first thing you're going to see is, well, this is a black person. 
this is mm-hmm. a person of color who clears to be appear appears to be out of control um mm-hmm. you know and so th- uh speak on what an audience might think of this like a um a young black teenager um you know a young person um or even an adult you know who is yeah. a, a person of color what do you think this is going to do to their mental health i mean a lot of us are already very jaded to this yeah. kind of stuff, like we we've become numb. But I guess talk a little bit about how that's gonna, you know, what the ripple effects of something like this are. So immediately for me, the the, thing, the two things that come to mind is one, like you were saying, like being jaded or being numb, because it's something that we see frequently, and we kind of just go along, and we just we're, we're no longer outraged. There are no more protests. There are no more brick throwing. There, we're not standing up for these things anymore because it's just it's just happening too frequently it's too much and the second thing that i immediately think of it's how it kind of paralyzes us as a community and it doesn't allow us to really work on some of the things that we need to work on within our community to move ourselves forward Mm -hmm. because it's easy for you to go we can't get ahead and you hear this excuse for a lot of people we can't get ahead because of xyz because oh this or this we have all these obstacles, which is true. But seeing that seeing those things, these images on the TV of ourselves being brutalized or or being put in handcuffs and arrested and wrongfully shot, and it's it gets to a point where it it implements a lot of fear into our community and it stifles our growth. Absolutely. So at some at some point we're going to have to t- turn this off and not allow this to be shown on TV in this manner. It is not healthy for us, and it's not healthy for our kids. Mm -hmm. And I think I've seen on your, um, I want to say you had posted something either on YouTube or Instagram after the the situation with Ukraine started, you know, to develop. And you were talking about how kind of like with parents and letting their kids see this, you... Um, Mm -hmm. you have to be mindful of when you're witnessing something, even if it's not happening to you, you take on vicarious trauma. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of us remember seeing the footage in the situation about Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. And I mean, there's so many situations like this that happen. Uh, luckily, I'm not going to say even luckily, because it's not about luck. It's fortunately, um, in this situation, um, and he he uh, unapologetically told them, he's like, look at my badge that's hanging from my belt and mm-hmm. Google me. Like, mm-hmm. that that was the part, like, um, you know, because at that moment when they're responding to him, they're not seeing him as a human being, as somebody who no. has a job, as somebody who uh, plays a part in the community. They see him as a suspect. Um, and so... But going back to that vicarious trauma, we see these things. We see people being approached with guns. Like, uh, I know me personally, I have um, gun trauma from my childhood. So personally being around guns, you know, scares me. Um, And, you know, I've mentioned before um, about how I've had my life threatened by a police officer. So my the way i move uh you know in my community and stuff like that around law enforcement i'm hyper vigilant you know mm-hmm. um and so yeah i mean the more we see this there's two things that are happening 
we become jaded to the point where this is just another day being black in America. But also, we're still taking on this vicarious trauma. When we see something like this happening to other people, we empathize. But vicarious trauma also can trigger things that we've already been through. Mm -hmm. Right? And it can trigger the things that, you know, should he have... I don't know, reached into his pocket or um, uh, made a certain movement that made somebody uncomfortable. We see this all the time escalate to tragedy. So yeah. um, there's yeah. definitely a lot of um, implications. But or, I, or or you could do everything right and you still mm-hmm. you still get shot. Yep. Um, I don't know if you heard about the the case. I, I should have said this was to you too. There's a this this actual cop was a black lady, and she was. She pulled over, she pulled him over and she gets out the car and she slips. She slips and she falls. The cop slips and falls wow. and gets up and shoots the guy. <gasps> she she just shoots shoots him and kills him. Of course, she's arrested right now. Oh, I, I haven't but, heard about that. Yeah, it's it's this is a new one. This just happened like recently. Wow. And it's like how like how 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 are we not considering life? Like mm. I don't, I just I'm just so like taking aback how we don't appreciate life as mm-hmm. much as we used to. Like even other countries, like you can do something like in China, you can do something in China and guess what? They're going to show up with the clubs and they're, they're going to, mm-hmm. you know, handle you, but you're going to live, mm. you know, and only in America or we're like cops are just showing up to situations, diffusing the situation with extreme violence mm-hmm. and walking away like, Oh, everybody's safe now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how we got to this point. And I, I there's something I I didn't think to mention, or we we mentioned it, but we haven't actually like addressed it. Is that there are you know because a lot of times we think of like police brutality or excessive force and mm-hmm. stuff like that. We think of white officers and black people. However, mm-hmm. you got to remember the blue line, um, yeah. Yeah. and um, the blue line uh, for a lot of you know African American cops it supersedes the black you know, mm-hmm. blackness, right? Um, and mm-hmm. so it's, there is a pressure to um, protect that blue line and that camaraderie or that culture. The culture of law enforcement is uh, a big issue. Um, and so mm-hmm. it doesn't exempt. Um, now there are some, there, there are plenty of good, you know, cops of all races, backgrounds, everything like that. But I'm sure there are people who are saying, oh, it's not just a, a white cop, black people thing because they see that there are black cop, cops involved in this. There mm-hmm. are instances where we have, uh, you know, black people who are participating in these oppressive symptoms or um, systems, but it th- th- it's a bigger issue of the culture of law enforcement and kind of that you're guilty until proven innocent. Yes. Um, approach. It's very draining. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, like, even like the case, like George Ford kind of, Floyd kind of got it right. It's like one person, one cop committed a crime, but the rest of the cops stood around and stood did there nothing. and watched. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we can, I, I, I understand the argument is like, oh, yeah, there, there are some good caps. Okay. It's the same thing. If you see something, say something. We mm. we see that go all the time. You see, you have to 
you're not a good cop if you're watching things happen mm-hmm. and you know that this is corrupt. And, and what I say, like, yes, I need to put food on, on the table, be a fireman, go drive Uber, go drive, mm-hmm. Uber, find another job. But that watching someone do some of these heinous things to a particular community and not mm-hmm. even just, I, we can't even point out the, this is happening all of, this is happening to poor people all mm-hmm. across the board. Yeah. Homeless and people. Yes. Yes. Even if you go out to like um, go out to Shenandoah, the area out there, there's a right before you get to um, the national park. There's like a a strip of like killer parks out that way. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, and for they have listeners the same stuff who aren't in Virginia, we're talking about the Virginia area. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and in those areas, some some of the things that are happening in, in those areas is the same problems that are happening in African American communities. And the, poverty is poverty mm-hmm. all across America, but for some reason, we sensationalize poverty as it's just African-American. It's like cold word mm-hmm. in media. There are more white really people on welfare than there are black people. This this is true. This is mm-hmm. so true. Yeah. Um, but the media won't allow you to, to recognize that. And we treat it as a community thing mm. or a rich versus poor thing. Yeah. It's very um, uh, intersectional. It's mm-hmm. not just a race yeah. thing. It's not just a class thing. It's not just a, there it's, there, there's so many different ways to slice it. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, cause there's a segment of this population who, who are rightfully so fighting for freedom, right? We always hear, um, the right wing, the Republicans always talk about freedom. We want our guns. We want freedom to do this, freedom to do that. No, you're not going to take my land. No, you're not going to seize my land. No, you're not going to arrest me. And, that should hold true for everyone, mm-hmm. which is a, a truthful statement, because for black people, we don't get any of those freedoms that mm-hmm. are afforded to us by the Constitution. What do we need to do to, to get that? I don't know. But for the time being, we have to like help each other and look out for each other and do what's necessary to make sure that we're like lessening the harm for media and the things that we're consuming. Mm. That's a good sign off, I think, is. You know, despite the fact that <clears throat> this stuff keeps happening as, you know, consumers, as, you know, everyday people going through your your life, yes, we need to be aware. Yes, we can be tuned in um, with the news. Yes, we can, you know, keep up uh, with things on social media. But we, from a mental health standpoint, it's so very important to protect your energy and to um, filter how much of that you're allowing yourself to consume. Because the reality is we, one, can't handle the full brunt of every bad thing that happens. And it's not, it's not an ignorance is bliss um, thing that we're telling you here. It's as a, to, to keep functioning, you have to put boundaries and parameters on how much of this that you can see. Um, and so sometimes it means just like, hey, I'm not going on Instagram today. I remember in 2020, I had to, I went on a couple of social media breaks um, mm-hmm. because of it was just so much back to back to back. Um, and so at the end of the day, I think our sign off, obviously, <laughs> any of these issues that we discuss. Um, never will be in-depth. We might scratch at the surface, but um, a good takeaway is protect your energy and just be mindful of how much you consume because you have to keep going in the day-to-day. 
It's not about sticking your head in the sand. It's not about ignorance is bliss, but we can be informed, but we also have to protect ourselves so that we can do what we need to do to go back to our families, to go to our jobs, to um, be the individuals that we need to be. So um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, Antoine. I'm glad oh, that uh, I've been talking about getting you on the podcast for a minute. So, um, and we're definitely going to have him back, uh, listeners, because uh, Antoine has got a lot of expertise and and knowledge on some things that I want to continue to explore on the podcast. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, but Antoine, before we go, tell the listeners a little bit about where they can find you. Um, I know you have your social media, you have YouTube. So, uh, and I'll be yes. including all those links in the show notes, but just do your uh, little pitch to let them know a little bit about where they can find you and what you're up to. Okay. On all media, on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, I am at legendary you for life. It's the same across the board. So I was able to, to keep it all succinct. So legendary you for life. And you is just the letter, right? Yeah, just okay. the letter U for and the number four in life. Actually, I'm a, I'm on TikTok as well. Oh, <laughs> so okay. TikTok, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Okay, I got them all covered. Very good. Um, and I'll be sure to put um, all of those links so that people can check out um, um, your awesome content uh, on those different platforms. But once again, Antoine, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. And thank you listeners for taking the time to listen and we will catch you back on the next one. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support this podcast by buying me a coffee. The link is in this episode's show notes. Thanks in advance. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, it's free. They offer creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many more. Did I mention that you can make money from your podcast no matter the size of your following? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today.